The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to those expressing them and do not necessarily reflect the OSA Foundation Incorporated or any other group or individual. This podcast may contain dialogue or subject material that could be considered for mature audiences only. All aspects of how you play the game and the OSIP Foundation Incorporated are protected by copyright and other state and federal intellectual property laws. Unauthorized use without the express written consent of the OSIP Foundation Incorporated is strictly prohibited. If you're interested in sponsoring how you play the game, please email us at podcast at osipfoundation.org. Your sponsorship may be tax deductible. Well, it's that time again. No, it's not time to wake up for no apparent reason. It's time for How You Play the Game, the official podcast of the OSIP Foundation Incorporated. Yours truly, Jack Furlong, with you as we talk to you about what's going on as far as the world of sportsmanship is concerned. This is the first episode of the month of January and the year 2021. We made it. It's over. Life can suddenly start to begin again. Congratulations, everybody. We don't have prizes in for everyone in the human race yet, but... Amazon is working on it. Uh, as always, you can check us out on the interwebs at osafoundation.org. You can contact the show via email with the address podcast at osafoundation.org. Uh, and on social media, facebook.com slash osafoundation, Twitter and Instagram at osafoundation, hashtag how you play the game. Across the way from me, as always on the screen, is Mr. Sean Ryan. Sean, how are you? Hey, as long as I have Final Fantasy 15 in my PS4, there's always a reason to wake up. That's that's very true. You you, and if it's not that, it's so you can dream about greens and regulation. Hey, listen, that that those are the best dreams ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you telling me that I got on the I got on the green in two shots on this par four? Oh, I'll take that. This is I, amazing. Yep. We're gonna let's. You know what? We we have some snow here on the east coast. Let's go golfing in the snow. We'll get some black golf balls. I was going to use white golf balls just to make it even more challenging. Oh, okay. You know, because that's, I don't know, I, I, I call that genius. I don't know about you, but. Hmm. I need my snow wedge. Snow wedge. Your, your snwedge. <laughs> snwedge. That sounds, um, I don't know, something you get like you, like you get at Ikea. Like a Smurf curse? A snwedge. Oh, yeah. Okay, that works too. <laughs> yeah, I was going to try and put those two words together, and I think something in my esophagus decided to combust. So, you know, story of or, my life right or there. I was going to say, or as we call that Tuesday, <laughs> uh, we have a very special guest. A friend of the show is, is joining us again for his umpteenth visit uh, all the way from his secret bunker out in California, where uh, he has a laboratory in his basement for him to solve all. He, he's going to solve all the world's problems. Uh, the wonderfully talented and gifted. You know him as the organist for the Anaheim Ducks the uh, grand poobah of close call sports and a man who has never gotten a haircut in his entire life. That's Mr. Gil Imber. Gil, welcome. Thanks for coming back. How are you, bud? I'm doing, doing as well as you can, given the circumstances, I suppose. Yeah, you know what? That's, that's all we can ask for. And uh, we will send you uh, an Amazon uh, package of uh, things that you can use in that lab uh, as soon as possible. So don't, <laughs> don't, don't blow anything up if you can help it. Um, we, we've, we've got Gil on again, uh, because we've got a number of stories in the news that have broken within the past month or so, uh, about violence in the world of sports. Um, it kind of started, I think, with, um, a story that broke early in December, um, where in Texas, 
a football player uh, was uh, disqualified from a game and he attacked a referee. Uh, Gil had this story at Close Call Sports, which obviously you can check out at CloseCallSports.com. Uh, Gil, why don't you give us the summary and uh, the interpretation that you brought to it as, uh, as the story broke? Sure. The crux of it is quite simple to understand. It was a high school football game. Play happened. Penalty was called. Late hit on the quarterback was the call. After the play, there were some more extracurriculars during which the player who would be penalized for the unnecessary roughness was additionally assessed in unsportsmanlike conduct and disqualified from the game. Upon hearing the announcement that he had been disqualified, that player ran off the sideline where he had been escorted to and uh, ran straight at the, uh, at the referee. And, and, well, we know what the video says for the rest. Uh, the player was then led off the field, uh, sort of escorted off by uh, law enforcement. And within a matter of days, the player was arrested and charged. The team received some sort of a punish. It was a playoff game, so the team did receive a sanction in relation to the event that had occurred. Uh, And before before really anything got cold, um, there were there was there were even more stories from elsewhere in the world about things like this happening. But nonetheless, the uh, the point is, it did engender a discussion and uh, a debate on the severity of the issue. Um, if if this is something that does merit actual addressing, if it's unfair to punish the player for us for what they would for what some would deem as a spur of the moment impassioned decision or mistake and uh, it's just a philosophical as well as a moral issue to be uh, to be discussed it seems like um there is a there 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 seems to be a i don't want to say a precedent set but a trend i guess is the best word in that this is not the first time that that such a uh, an event has happened in that neck of the woods and and you touched on that and the 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 you know, the, the penalties that occurred as a result of that uh, can you can you kind of set the the table for us with that as well because because I find that to come into play as we uh, address this sure Last time, and well, last time is relative because there are so many times, unfortunately. But uh, one one of the uh, one of the times, at least, that would, we would be discussing would be a similar Texas football game, and a player who uh, charged straight at the umpire in that situation, and instead of you know, it, it, it could tell. <laughs> You can tell the deliberate nature of it because in order to charge at the umpire, the player had to give up his position and opened a hole for the other team to run through. And the other team ended up doing quite well on that play because of that player's uh, abandonment of his responsibilities to attack an official. Well, then there's obviously a positive to it, clearly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in this situation, the pl- that player was not charged. And 
although that player did lose a D1 scholarship or two, was nonetheless accepted to play college football on scholarship elsewhere. And upon the completion of that, became a police officer and was hired by the same very department that could have arrested him had he actually been arrested for the, for the crime he allegedly committed. That, that obviously um, reeks of, of, of something, shall we say, that's head-scratching. And I think it, it clearly uh, leads us you know, into the debate that you, that you have you know, so eloquently uh, pushed as to why we need to have the discussion. Um, in your opinion, is there a problem that goes beyond just abusive officials that that's physical because because the idea that that that, that you know such such a you know such, such an outcome can occur in, like, such as in that scenario is I, I don't i don't know if i want to call it mind-boggling because i i obvi- personally i believe in second chances i believe in all those things and whatnot but you know you you put it very eloquently in, in the article on close call sports does crime pay and and you would think that you know again we're not privy to the discussions but does but does it make sense that a football player uh in that scenario uh should be should be allowed to then become a law enforcement official in that in that same that same area i mean does is it is it as simple as saying well this guy learned his lesson and he can be an asset to us or I mean, I, I just, I guess I'm, I'm asking as a lay person who is confused. I'm not trying to pass judgment. I'm trying to wrap my head around it in order to advance the discussion. Sure. We are having a, a national, possibly an international discussion on the nature of law enforcement. And as part of that discussion, we are One of the ideas is an idea that has been officiating for a while, although people don't really know how to articulate or they don't really know what they're talking about when they say it. The idea is to hold people accountable for their job, for their activities that occur in extracurricular nature to their job, but in in accordance with the similar responsibilities that conduct that would be unbecoming. And as part of the reckoning about the role of law enforcement and who we hire, who we train, whether certain, there are certain things in background that should disqualify and whatnot. I think it becomes very pertinent and relevant to discuss someone who was hired as a law enforcement official who committed a crime and got away with it, allegedly. Um, and these are the, you know, if this person is to go ahead and have a complaint for excessive force while doing that job as a police officer, it becomes, should we have seen this coming? Because quite clearly it was on video and we ignored it. Uh, we meaning the collective society. I, I'll i speak out against this every time I can, but um, we believe in second chances. The, the problem with that approach, I mean, there's no real problem with the approach. The, uh, the most recent example of the player who uh, hit the referee in the Texas high school football game, speaking of second chances, you could say that was a second chance because a similar incident was reported to have occurred the prior year in a different sport. And you could say he was on his second chance. And while well, we know it, just speaking from a criminology standpoint, the, the concept of second chances and recidivism is something that is often banded about in sentencing and sentence enhancers. And we have a district attorney here in Los Angeles that we just elected on his first day of office, decided that he's going to get rid of the sentence enhancing uh, 
tool that is used for crimes, which could actually, which just as a quick sidebar, uh, because I find these things fascinating. Uh, and this is going to tie into what I'm talking about in a second. But as a sidebar, when he said, I'm getting rid of sentence enhancers, there's a jurisdictional battle. Uh, the way it works is that the district attorney tries all felonies and selected misdemeanors for places in the county that are not incorporated cities. And <clears throat> felonies for the entire county, misdemeanors for places that aren't incorporated. City of Los Angeles, our city attorney, tries all misdemeanors. Now, by getting rid of sentence enhancers, the district attorney could theoretically take some cases that would be felonies, and by getting rid of an enhancement, drop it down to a misdemeanor, which means under his directive, he wouldn't prosecute it. But if it occurs within city limits, the city attorney would prosecute the misdemeanor. But the city attorney is likely to use sentence enhancers. So if he adds a sentence enhancer, it becomes a felony again, which is back to the district attorney who doesn't want the sentence enhancer. He'll try to get rid of it. And we suddenly have a case that might fall through the cracks because no one really wants to take responsibility for anything. Well, actually, the city attorney does, but uh, it's not in his jurisdiction to prosecute felonies. So it's a really interesting situation, and it speaks to rather than working together to come up with a solution, and this is a society issue, we do what is individually right without regard for the, for the culture at large, for how it affects the community. And things fall through the cracks when we are individualistic in that nature. And the problem then becomes in sports, and why do we have so many attacks on officials, is we feel so individualistic that when someone says no to us, we, we have a tendency not to be able to respond to that. And the no means no framework doesn't seem to work when it comes to sports. Uh, it, no means no is not a tenet of toxic masculinity, never has been. And you're going to have a bunch of eye rollers at that phrase. And so, okay, I'm not going to, I won't use the phrase toxic masculinity. If you don't like it, I'll use machismo, perhaps. No means no is not an accepted belief system. Uh, you, you persist. And the problem is that no means no in society, we have been taught so many times. And let's just think about like all the fairy tales where uh, just the simple, uh, the knight in shining armor and the princess and all of that. There is a, in every single one of the stories, you're going to find a time where they were told no. And they don't stop because then you don't have a movie. So they mm -hmm. continue and no, 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 no. And at the end, oh, yeah, I guess that worked out. So no, no. When we say no means no, that, that's not something that we really believe in this society. So right. uh, the problem is that we are so ingrained and in we have so many conflicting messages that people don't know what to do. And the problem is that when people don't know what to do, they revert to the, the grand I guess the grand Hobbesian uh, human nature experience of the brutish short, I'm in it for myself because I can't trust anyone else because why can't I trust? Because they're not giving me consistent messaging. Everything is in, in, there's always these hidden rules and codes and things like that embedded. And I talk about hidden rules and codes because when we talk about unwritten rules, that causes a whole bunch of controversy when someone breaks it by flipping a bat because it's okay to flip a bat over in country X, but it's not in the US. It's not a rule. It's an unwritten thing. And no, it's a hidden code. But everyone gets so offended about these things that you know, this is a mi very minor example, flipping a bat. Right. But 
but it, it, it is a fantastic illustration of the portal into the problem with mixed messaging and how that breeds discontent and conflict. And so we revert to, I'm in it for myself. And when we revert to, I'm in it for myself, you got a player attacking a referee because a call didn't go his way. And then the argument from everyone else becomes, suddenly when it affects the team, it's the individual's not the team, which kind of reinforces the everyone's in it for themselves messaging. Uh, and why at the end of the day, you would want the governing body, which fortunately I believe happened in Texas this time around at least, to go ahead and say, team, you have to answer for your individual's effort because guess what? They're part of the team. And we get away from that because people think I shouldn't be defined by everyone else. It's, and it's brother's keeper, it's weakest link, it's whatever the, it's, it's a constant theme that has been bandied about that people are trying to get farther and farther away from because we seem to reward the individual at the detriment of the actual cohesive unit, which is one of the reasons to get even more controversial. The United States is doing so exceedingly terribly with combating the virus in this pandemic is because we do not have a concept of teamwork here. A lot of other countries do, and they're doing quite well. But in the US, it's individual's liberty. And for that reason, uh, we, 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 we need what we need to do when it comes to sports. And the reason that the officials are getting attacked is because we don't have at present systems that adequately address and, and punish the collective group. Look at the Astros. When, when we had the cheating scandal for the World Series and all of that, it was, we're going to cut out a few individuals that are really ancillary to the whole thing. But the team is fine, and the actual the major players, because of union contracts, and it's too hard to try to get into that because they're going to file a grievance if we try to do something, and we just don't want to get involved in the fight. It's all about allowing our individual people. We 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 allow our to we allow ourselves to revere individuals in such high regard. Ray Lewis, celebrated name, Super Bowl MVP. Did you know he was charged with murder and he, <laughs> there was a guilty plea related to that trial? And there is O.J. Simpson. He had to pay a lot of money, but wait a minute, he didn't have the money because he was hiding it, perhaps. And then robbery and Pete Rose tax evasion. But no, Pete should get in the Hall of Fame because uh, with the, Raul Mondesi, embezzlement and... Uh, Jim Mahadi, second-degree manslaughter, Julio Machado, murder. I'm, I'm now I'm in baseball. I could go down a list of criminals in sports. We revere them in so high, in such high regard, that you know, we, we what we do is we excuse the actions of the individual that are perhaps bad, and in some case really bad, and cause people to die. We excuse that because we value the individual achievement uh, over everything else. And we, we are very unable to parse uh, the complexity of, 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 well, people. And it's just, it's, a, it's, 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 I suppose, a referendum and a reflection of the value that we ascribe to individual pursuit rather than collective pictures. I think the, the big, the first thing I have to say is you mentioned O.J. Simpson, and clearly it's not so much the football as it is the Naked Gun movies that I think set him, uh, you know, far and above 
you know, everything because, because that was clearly much better than anything he did on the gridiron, but that's a podcast for a different day. Um, you know, I think the, the, to, to, to bring it back to the, the, you know, the story that you, that of this with the referee being attacked, if I'm, if I'm understanding your argument correctly, it seems that the you know the the solution here on the on on the the micro scale because obviously the macro scale is what it what you what you've described um this this player uh in question this is his for you know for all intents and purposes this was his second chance because he apparently had a a record of doing this uh you know in 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 a previous situation and not only did he use his, you know, that, that second chance, so to speak, but we are holding the team accountable because of, as you said, the nature that it is a team sport. We need to, we, you know, in, in, in certain things like this, we need to get away from the individual and on to, you know, in, in order to send that message, especially I think when it comes to something that is, um, I'm, I'm going to use the term trivial with with reservation um, because I, I'm using that from the standpoint of saying sport does not hold the same value in the production and the advancement of society as, say, medicine, science, education. It is an entertainment industry, obviously. So I'm saying the word trivial not because it's not important, but because of of, of that reason. It would seem to me that this is the perfect opportunity to send that message um, where you can say, listen, regardless of, of everything else, this team is responsible, this school is responsible, if you want to go that far, for this individual. And the individual screwed up again. We, we you know, if, if we go on the idea that and again, I, I know what you've described with regard to the sentence enhancements and the second chances and whatnot. But if we go on that idea, then it's time to, to, to you know, throw the hammer down and say, you can't do this anymore. We, we, you know, we, we may not be able to put a, you know, a, uh, uh, you know, identify it, but we know it when we see it. You know, we may not be able to draw that line or, or define it, but we know it when we see it. This has gone too far. This is a prime example of when a team and a player need to be held accountable because of the disgusting nature of what has occurred. We need to accept responsibility. And I, I just don't think that there is any room, or I, I shouldn't say it that way. I should say it by saying the, 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 the time for debate um, with regard to the advancement of society due to this is somewhat over because of those things that I just described. I know I kind of went around in circles to get to those points, but does that, does that seem to be the, you know, the, the, the applicable um, interpretation of what we need, what should be happening in this story, especially because of how we are not holding people and teams accountable for when these heinous acts of physical violence occur towards uh, sports officials. 
It starts at home. You have to uh, hold. You have to. A lot. A lot can be said, and it's a lot more effective to have a responsibility system of self-account, which mm-hmm. is essentially self-policing. Mm-hmm. And that starts in a, in a pod as small as one, and in, in small groups, or get to a team, or what have you. But it starts there. It starts with holding holding to account at the at the lowest level. And the idea is that at least if if you were to ascribe to a to to a Loxian view, I suppose, then you would you would get something that you would like to see personal responsibility, that idea come back mm-hmm. because, you know, when, when we cut, when we go around and we do, we do our ranking on, on close call sports of the sports biggest hothead, the player, the most, and we found that the, the, the number one hothead of all time, and it's, and it's probably not going to be challenged anytime soon because it was so, compared to everyone else. And it's defined as games per ejection. We rank everyone. How many games, uh, how many, how many times do they get ejected versus how many games they have played. And we compute the ranking on there and determine the hothead based on this statistic. It's Milton Bradley. Uh, he, he would get ejected more often than anyone else. And, and not because think- of the board games. <laughs> right. Yeah. For, right. I mean, for, yeah, for a position player, because yeah. pitchers, of course, only some of them only go once every five days, but uh, but, but Milton Bradley should be an all-time record. Hold him accountable, but some people loved it and say, ah, it's funny, it's, it's sports, it's entertainment. Spousal battery, assault with, assault with a deadly weapon, making criminal threats. He, he served, you know, he, he, he served time. He, had, he got punished, criminal, felony. This is real stuff. Yeah. So it starts with not excusing and it starts to, it, you know, it's to try to you try to hold accountable within an organization, or even less than that, within a group of friends and all that. If a group of friends or acquaintances, just it's simple enough, yet it's very complicated. It says has a discussion, and and there's some element of that discussion where someone talks about something that is completely outside the pale of stance or whatever. It starts with just verbally challenging that and sort of correcting that view right away. But we don't do it because we're afraid of losing our place in the unit. So we leave it to someone else and we kick the can down the road and we absolve the personal responsibility and it goes and suddenly the police have to deal with it. That's who picks up the responsibility. And then people don't like the police because then they have to enforce everything and then they get overwhelmed with having to enforce everything. And that that, that leaves them susceptible to falling Pray to their baser instincts, which are better than enlightened judgment, which are better, which are more faulty than the enlightened judgment and the actual complex thinking, which means that they make mistakes. And uh, some of these, just like Milton Bradley, you could say a mistake. Oh, yeah, assault with a deadly weapon, spousal battery, that's a mistake. Well, perhaps murdering a protester could also be deemed a mistake in that standard. I, I say the word mistakes and because we minimize things a lot. When, 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 we, when an article was being written about that Texas footballer that tackled the umpire, uh, didn't get charged, and then became a police officer, they painted it as a redemption story. And they used the phrase, embarrassing moment and mistake. Not once did any of these articles written about that, pers- about that person, not once did they mention the victim, 
the status, what the injuries were, how they recovered, did they, nothing like that. It was all about this embarrassing little mishap, this mistake, this moment, regrettable moment. But it was a mistake, and it was just an embarrassing moment. It wasn't, wasn't serious. So we, we, so I used, the, I used that phrase because we're at a point where we absolve people of some things that can be really consequential. We, we, are, we are not very good at supporting victims. So because of that, we have this, if you think about this pendulum, we have been very bad at supporting people that need support. And so we've been very bad at victims' rights. So the pendulum has been all the way in wherever you want to put it. And then to correct that, sometimes we swing it way too far to the other side because we don't want to just correct the course. We want to correct it now. We want to get there really quickly. And how do you get there quickly? By trying to get the pendulum all the way over to the other side, it will get back to the middle a lot faster. And then somehow maybe we stop it when it gets to the middle, but maybe not because maybe that's not enough because you're driving your car and the alignment's off a little bit. And so you think, I can't really stop it in the middle because then it'll veer back off course again. So you keep the pendulum on the other side, not knowing, of course, that maybe you're going overboard. And the problem then becomes that we give too much credence to people who are now manipulating and taking advantage of the system. And that turns into a whole other to-do. But the point is, the point that I'm trying to make is that we need to have personal responsibility. It starts to holding account within our groups, within our, because who knows ourselves better than our little groups? Once you go outside of the structure, you are playing by a whole bunch of rules and playing fields by people who don't know you. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes you need the impartiality there. But a lot of times things can be nipped in the bud before they become serious like that so that you don't have a potentially injurious act that requires criminal intervention. You stop it right at home, and that way it's not serious. You don't have a record. You don't have to go on this and deem yourself labeled as this violent person. You stop it right where you can, and that way you reform privately behind the scenes, and it's just character development, which is a positive as opposed to a criminal justice reform and rehabilitation, which is this huge expenditure and huge societal implication. Start at home, keep it small. That way you have your personal redemption story, which is not really a redemption story because it's just a growth and development feature. So you heard it here first, folks. Gil Imber hates car mechanics because of their inability to switch to fix car alignments. So I want that on the record. Um, let me let me play devil's advocate for a second here, or or something similar to it. Um, is you know you you make solid points about this. Is some of this easily fixable from the standpoint of, or I shouldn't say easily fixable. Let me say it this way. Is some of this, could we, could we be taking steps in the right direction simply by saying we need to recontextualize some of these stories? So, for example, you, take the, you took the story of uh, the football player who uh, you know, went through the redemptive story from the quote-unquote mistake um, and, and so on and so forth. Does it, could, it, could it start simply by saying, 
we need to focus on the victim here an equal amount in order to provide the proper context here. So it's not so much, it's not about the media per se, um, you know, bringing light to this person being redeemed as it is as much saying, look, you know, this is, this is the truth of what ha happened. This is us properly reporting it. We're, pro we're trying to shed light on what exactly happened here by, by giving the, the victim the, the proper space in the story to explain exactly what happened, which will emphasize the, the importance of why we need to change this behavior uh, and, and perhaps even highlight the ideas, if, if, it's, if it's applicable, how perhaps maybe someone such as this, this player turned police officer could work towards preventing certain things in the future if that in fact did occur. Because I sense that from the way that you described it, again, clearly there was, there was an issue with the story being reported and told as a redemptive story because of those missing factors. I, I wonder if I or anyone would have comprehended that story differently if, number one, the, the official in question was highlighted to, to discuss you know, the injuries, the, the, the rehabilitation, et cetera. Um, and number two, perhaps if the responsibility was taken by the, the subject in question to say, this is what I need to do in order to try and prevent this stuff from happening again. Because it seems like there, there could, you know, there could have been an altruistic attempt at trying to tell that story as redemption, whether we agree with it or not, but it seems like it was it just grossly missed the mark based upon the way that you're saying it. Is that a step in the right direction, even if that is not the proper and complete fix? Holistic natures are always good. So it's a good start to acknowledge that there is more than the event. But we don't want to stop short of portraying the holistic nature of the actual occurrence. So the idea is that the redemption concept itself is, by its very definition, a one-sided story. It has to be. Otherwise, you don't have a convincing story that you're trying to portray. Very much like what you said with the... Uh the idea with the movies at the beginning, you don't have a movie then. There's, there's a one-sided nature to it. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. You can't, expect, you can't expect society to have a tolerance for nuance because it's complicated and we don't like complicated things. We, we consume entertainment. We consume media largely because we like when things are dumbed down for us because it's relaxing. And if not relaxing, at least it's easy to understand even if it does get ups, upset, and even if that's the goal is to provoke, we w the only way to get to the base lizard emotion, so to speak, is to make it simplified. Because as soon as something is complicated, it requires a tethered approach, which is too suggestive of academia and pedagogy, which is largely an unpopular hobby at best. And a real 
literal sentence at worst. People don't like largely to do the heavy lifting on the mental side. So for that reason, we have to make things easy. And so a redemption story for that nature, although it looks like it has a bunch of layers, we have to leave some very key things out that could complicate the storytelling. And so, yeah, it's a good start to try to tell things and acknowledge that there are layers to a story. But at the same time, it does really nothing to break the barrier of seeing things from more than one angle. <laughs> because you're looking at this redemption story from, from multiple angles, you could say. But really, it's the same person's angle. It's the guy. And the only difference is the angle that he would see when he was in high school versus the angle that he will see when he's in his 20s versus the angle that he would see later on when he's bulked up and you have physical changes. As a person, you could have physical changes and change your angle all day, but it's still your angle. And your angle could be quite different depending on the lighting. You can change your lighting, your scenery, you can change all sorts of things to change your, your view. But it's your view. It's not looking at it from another person's perspective. It's still your view. And so this problem with the story there is, yeah, it's a redemption story, but it's only from one person's point of view. Okay. Because I guess, I guess where, I'm, where I'm trying to, to figure it out is what, you know, what and, and perhaps this did not occur in this setting. So we have to we have to put that into account here because I don't want to make make it seem like I'm playing devil's advocate and trying to um, give excuses for this. What if it truly was a redemption story? What if it truly was something where, in an alternate universe, this person literally said, you know, through this through this you know through the through the the medium of print and this story, I really screwed up. And I'm trying to, to do better as a result of it. Is, is it not possible that redemption could be in play here? Or am I missing it completely, perhaps just because of the nature of this specific story and where I'm going is just not applicable to this story and could be applicable to a completely different story? Oh, it absolutely could. Uh, the, the reason that the Jim Joyce Armando Galarraga imperfect game story is so successful is you get both sides mm. and you get the community as well involved. And that's sort of a holistic way of and the reason that that really worked is because you had both of them at the ESPYs presenting. <laughs> I mean, you got buy-in from everyone, right? Jim Leland gave a comment that was very supportive and you, you, you really had a bunch of people pulling for both of them. And so it was a wholesome view because it involved everyone right and it wasn't a crime or anything but yeah. it's an example of an unfortunate circumstance where you know most importantly jim joyce the same night uh is saying i'm he's saying he's sorry to the kid he screwed he's he, you have the entire gamut of the emotion there what you don't have in this redemption story with the high school football player is you don't have any apology that's that's the key there. I see what you're saying. Continue. And you have him describing it in the story. If you read that story, one of the there are two articles that are floating out there. If you read one of them, maybe the other one, you, you have him describing it as one of the greatest blessings of his life. But nowhere does he say he is sorry or acknowledge that that the official 
actually exists. <laughs> and it, it's, it's very frustrating to have someone citing how it's a religious experience, how they are, you know, become a better religious person when they don't acknowledge that one of the key defining features of the church is repentance and they are doing none of it. Right. I, I, I think that that's key. Um, and, and not before, before I forget, you know, you were talking about mistakes. What happened with Jimmy Joyce and Armando Galarraga, you know, that call on the field. Now that's a mistake by, by, the, by the definition of the term. Whereas, you know, uh, assault might not fit in that, that definition. Um, and I think that the, those, those types of discussions are key because preliminarily, it seems like there could be gray area. And once you begin to delineate more as, you know, once you provided the story uh, and the example of Joyce and Galarraga, now all of a sudden we have something to compare it to. And I think that that puts um, the story of this player uh, in question into a very different context and a much more accurate context. And it, it allows us to uh, properly perceive and, and uh, create, you know, create our own sense of understanding and, and thus judgment and opinion based upon what we are perceiving. I, I want to go back to one thing that you said, again, to play devil's advocate here. You talk about stopping these things at home in the small circles uh, before they get out into the public, which I think on the surface is exceptionally uh, important. I think it's a point very well taken, and, and, and I, I, I think you, you nailed it with that. You mentioned, obviously, something that's clearly beyond the pale when that happens. Is it, is it fair to say that we need to, you know, we, we need a better definition of or, or, or better delineation of beyond the pale, so to speak, because of the nature of how people might react when they are in those small units and they hear such a story. I'll give you an example. When, 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 when teenagers are growing up, um, you know, there seems to be, you know, the, the, the typical example of, you know, um, I, I, I consumed X amount of alcohol and it was really a good time, et cetera, et cetera. And, and obviously that seems to be a, uh, you know, something that, that consists significantly uh, throughout high school, college and, and, and whatnot. There's, it, you know, it's, it, it's there. Um, to, you know, for, for a, a teenager in that, in that group to not stand up and say to, uh, appear that's not okay, etc. Seems to be of a different consequence than if you know if people in the small unit are together and one person says, "Yeah, I I I had to beat my wife because of it." Um, that seems to be beyond the pale, and and I wonder if 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 it's fair to cast the judgment on the first example in the same way that we need to cast it on the second example. The first example, just of consumption. Yeah. It's always tricky to me. Okay. To deal with something, a moralistic question that is, and it's a very nuanced thing, but yeah. it's always difficult for me to come to terms to try to deal with something like that, where you have something that depending on the jurisdiction could be legal. 
Right. Uh, so, yeah, it's one. There, there's a certain story out of Ohio involving a major league umpire right now. Right. That had it occurred somewhere else would have been legal. So, I and and one of the reasons I'm not reporting on it is because it would have been legal elsewhere. Right. And so it's very difficult for me to, because again, speaking from my perspective where it's not legal, but I acknowledge that that's not the only, I acknowledge that that's not the only perspective to have, that there Mm -hmm. could be other points of view. That said, beating someone else up, I don't know what other point of view you can have where that's okay. Yeah, I I, I understand that. Again, and that's... We we can because we can slice the bologna as thin as we want here. If I if I wanted to, I could you know perhaps I could play devil's advocate more and say beating someone else up in an act of self defense, for example. But that goes well beyond the idea of the small unit where someone is saying you know very casually, yeah, I had to hit my wife, and that's that's you know not that's just simply not okay as as you've described. And and I I just bring that up because I think that. These conversations that we're having are exceptionally important and exceptionally necessary because there is, as, you, as you've said, some, some brave reform that needs to occur. I, what I don't want to have happen in the spirit of sportsmanship is to ostracize X number of people, perhaps because of a misunderstanding or a... Um, yeah, a fear or, or, or just general confusion. When we say beyond the pale, so to speak, we need to make it, I, th- I think it should be made somewhat clear where that line is proverbially drawn because, you know, part of sportsmanship, in my opinion, is empathy. And I, I know that I could empathize with someone who doesn't have the courage to stand up in that small unit and speak out against something depending upon what that thing is. And if, you know, as we begin to kind of put things into, into categories, you know, I would imagine that there could be a scenario where, for example, someone in a small unit might hear that story of, I had to beat my wife and, and say, um, I don't know if I have the courage to stand up and say what you just said and what you've claimed you have done is not okay, but instead might have the ability to say, I can no longer have this person in my life. I can no, I, you know, or, or I, for my, you know, whatever the case may be. I know that goes against what you have said because, because your argument, if I understand it correctly, is that we need to stop this at the get go. The question becomes, what if the person doesn't have the ability to stand up to that person. And that's where, I think that's where the gray area and the empathy comes in. I'm not trying to say that that's the, the only solution, but I, I think that your solution is the best solution for all intents and purposes, to be able to stop it at home. Because by curbing it that way, then we don't have these stories where you know players, people in general, think it's okay to assault officials. We don't have these things where behavior is is you know the can is kicked proverbially down the road you know so that this type of behavior isn't stopped but at the same time it's you know i don't want to say it by saying there's two sides to every story i want to say that i i can i could understand a person who comes at me with a, a story that is just not as as black and white as we'd like it to be 
Does that, does that seem to make at least some sense, even though it's not optimal? Well, you know, to, to, hit, to, to just piggyback on coming at you with the story, my first thought was, yeah, come at me with a knife so I hit them. Right. I get it. Yeah, yeah. No criticism. Yeah. So, yeah, talking about the nuance there, there's totally nuance. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. But just I've, I, I railed on the, you know, I just went, you know, it's, there, there's a difference. And yes. hopefully we can see that. Hopefully yeah. it doesn't take a degree in some sort of complex wizardry to see that there's a difference and to see that different levels of nuance exist. And so there's a balance. I, I mean, tw Twitch, because I'm completely hip to all of that. <laughs> Twitch just banned three words from their platform. They just outright banned the use of three words. And it was, and it was just three words that are used as insults. Okay. From time to time. And they just said, we are banning the words on the platform. You cannot use them. I don't know how it technically works or anything like that, but they said they banned it, so they banned it. That's a way to start something at home as right. well. If there's a problem in it, there's derogatory terms, slurs, whatever being thrown about, it's easy to call that out. Right. By I say it's easy to call that, I mean it's easy to recognize it. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, they say this word. And so all, all you're going to have to do is listen for a word. And you know, aha, they said the word. Right. But yeah, calling think, it out, that takes a little bit more gumption. Yeah, and the problem yeah. is that you, you risk the exile and, ex, at the, the, so, so to speak, getting cut out of the unit by doing that. And it's sort of a similar thing to one of the reasons that you become an official. Some people, one of the things that officials do and one of the philosophies that is possible to have and one of the things that I've taken on myself when, when, in officiating on the close call sports or on um, when I ran for my elected position that I'm currently in, I don't do things that are popular or easy. I do things that are right. And there are consequences to doing things that are, are right. There are absolutely consequences. And a lot of people don't, can't, can't afford to deal with those consequences. And so you, you just, you don't stand up because you can't. There is a power dynamic. There's some sort of a struggle that impairs your ability to, to take the moral stance because Maslow's hierarchy, you can't do your moralistic stuff unless you have all of the other needs met first. And if you don't have that physical safetyness, if safety and physical uh, security is at question by you standing up for a more moralistic thing that is further higher up on the pyramid, then you can't get there because you can't risk collapsing your base of, of safety net or, or what have you. And that, Completely. That follows the psychological model. Makes sense. But if you are in a position where you do have, you, you are going to be able to establish your own security net and you are going to be able to do things for yourself in that nature, you can afford to take that moralistic view. And then that option to nip it in the bud is open to you suddenly. There are certain things that are safer to say than others. Policing certain language that Perhaps would, you know, if, if it's a language issue where uh, if I put it on TV, the FCC would fine me a lot of money for it, that's easier to nip in the bud mm. because that's, a, that's sort of a universal no-no as opposed to a more nuanced thing that is a situational issue that could be called out that I might not be as safe calling out at home because I'll lose my security 
I'll lose my safety. I'll lose all of these physiological needs that come before the chance to get to the moralistic metering. So there's nuance and, and, it, and it really requires something that it, it, it requires the ability just to say, and, and this is a societal and a psychological thing as well, is to say, I need to, for some people that can make the determination, some people can, and both are okay because both have different motivations and all that. But there's a certain point where are you going to be okay saying, are you going to be okay with yourself saying, I'm going to stand up for this because it is right. It is, it is what I believe it is all of these, these, these things. Um, and I'm, am I going to be okay with losing X, Y, or Z? for the sake of doing what I know in my heart is right. Joe West is a very, very controversial figure because he said some really crazy things um, that are controversial. And some people think, yeah, he's right on. Absolutely. His COVID comments, absolutely right on hundred percent. Some people are like he is absolutely Russia insane. And there's definitely a wide berth and he, he, has been very clear and I've talked to Joe and he is very clear on how his philosophy is. He doesn't do, he doesn't do what's, what's easy. He takes the, I do what, what I feel in my heart's the right thing to do approach. And sometimes you can disagree with what someone has in their heart, but it doesn't make it wrong to that person. And so you can say, Joe, your, your COVID comments are completely insensitive and crazy and absolutely not baited in fact and science. And you can, if that's your point of view, you say that. And Joe says, well, no, I believe this. And then you get into a nuanced discussion about what alternative facts are and what, that actually, what, 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 what has happened to us. But the point is that Joe's philosophy is that your duties are to the, to the game, to the profession, and to what you believe, it, what, to what in your heart is the morally correct thing to do. And that's a core philosophy. So no matter how you come at it, the core philosophy itself without adding any superfluous facts or situations onto it, the core philosophy itself is something that are you dedicated to that idea or not? And if you are dedicated to that idea and you know that you're going to be at least personally okay, you're going to be able to look at yourself just fine by living up to those values, then go ahead. Yeah. Then it might be an actual cathartic and healthy exercise to stand up and actually get into those val that value system and live what you feel. And that will work out better for you just personally speaking. And it might open up a new, it might get you kicked out of one group, but then you join another group that shares your same like-minded values. It's a very interesting thing because we do not choose how we, what, what, what we are placed into at the beginning. We, we, we grow up and we don't get to choose where we grow up. And that's just how it is. But over time we get to choose our associations to an extent. And the question thus is, are we at a place where we are going to be, feel comfortable, safe, and free to potentially expose liability on our own end so that we can grow ourselves, even if we don't bring everyone else along? Are we, are we going to be able to be confident enough to be the nomadic bird and to just fly south for the winter or somewhere else, just completely move, emotionally move somewhere and start anew because it's better for us? Um, because you might not be able to change people's minds, but <clears throat> the, the most pow powerful thing you can do perhaps is change your own. And whether that, that tends to influence other people, but whether or not it does, it doesn't really matter. Cause as long as you're doing what you feel is right for yourself, then 
you know, we get back to this question of individualism. And so how do we know what we're doing is right for ourselves? And, you know, it's like you, you were saying earlier on the show, and by you, I mean me, that individualism is bad. Well, no, I wasn't saying it was bad, but what I was saying is going overboard for the individual nature of things and saying that the individual achievement is more important than societal achievement, that's bad. What I mean by the individualism here, what I'm talking about right now, looking in yourself, in your heart, what is the right thing to do? The answer is what is good for the, what's the geese and the gander saying? It's what's good for the society yeah. uh, and, 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 the, and, 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 and the, the community around you. So by looking inward, you actually look outward because when you're in, you see out and, and vice versa because it's easier to look back and all that. And it's, philosophy, it's BS. But uh, the, the idea is that by looking in, you, you can see that the right thing to do is look out. Right. And, and so oddly enough, by introspection, you, you, you get to see the forest for the trees and all of, all of, all of a rise above the canopy. And what other metaphors do you have? Well, I know Sean is working on his PhD in wizardry, as you said. So, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that uh, occurred to me is, you know, as I was listening to speak, Gil is what this, this sort of uh, makes it really important to, to, teach young people the importance of sportsmanship as a result, especially when it comes to the concept of team building. Um, Cause when, when you're right that there, there, the emphasis is on the individual and not on the team's accomplishments. And as a result, if an individual acts out of line, so to speak, then the team should be punished for it. And I think having that happen at such a young age, um, makes the person who committed the offense think a little bit more because they realize how the other people on the team are acting towards them, right? So, you know, if I screw up, let's say, and the rest of my teammates and the whole team is punished and the rest of my teammates look at me and say, hey, you know, because of you, we're in this mess. Maybe at a young age, that would make me think, oh boy, I affected other people. So now I need to change, right? So making that decision on your own could, or punishing a team can help you make that decision on your own and change your own mind. Uh, or it's a way of doing that, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, growth and development and the influence of, it's very influential to see what, when you're coming up and you're exposed to something like this. And if it's not handled the correct way, you learn bad lessons. And core, core belief system is always a, n- a nice, difficult thing to change. And worldviews and, 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 and things of that. And the world itself then becomes a lot healthier or unhealthier, depending on what occurs on the influence for the people that are growing up. And, you know, one of the things, one of the key lesson is, you know, you, you can learn academia all day, but when you see something in action, it's a lot more powerful and effective. Mm-hmm. So when you see when you see people actually doing the right thing in practice, or when you see someone trying to enforce a norm or or, or not a norm but a a moralistic um, tenet in an actual you know an actual an actual real life scenario, uh, it's more it's a, it's a lot more powerful than just saying, oh, that's what it says on paper. But in practice, you know, uh, it, it, in law we call it. Um, on the books versus uh, versus in the streets, 
And then there's another component in, in American capitalism called on the streets versus in the suites for law. Uh, but I digress. There, the, the point is that you can read things in books, but then you go outside and you see how, oh, that's how it really is. They talk about the street smarts versus the book smarts. Uh, and the biggest enemy of the street smart, so to speak, the biggest enemy of the, the person on the street who isn't that in tune to the books is the idea that the book smarts are going to overlap or Venn diagram in some way with the street smarts so that it actually pays to be an academic. Uh, so that's why we, we, we don't really value education the way that uh, we could because it's scary and we are largely motivated by fear in that regard. And so when we talk about trying to enforce some moralistic concept. A lot of it, a lot of what people say and the insults and all that psychological fear projection is a huge one. And we've used this in our injection stories a lot about how things are projections and displacements. And we did a, we did a pretty good one on Bryce Harper getting thrown out last year. And I have to be specific because Harper gets thrown out so much that if I don't say exactly when he got thrown out, you'll be like, which time are you talking about? <laughs> um, but, what, but when he got thrown out last year, I did an analysis on his use of the displacement and the projection, which are very interrelated uh, Freudians. Uh, the defense mechanism is actually under the class heading of what's called immature defense mechanisms. And that's because that's what it is. Uh, and, so when he displaces something or he projects something onto an official and the two are using them in because they're rather related, but they're completely different mechanisms just to be clear for the academics. But when you, when you talk about something and you know, when you're trying to model behavior and create the heuristics for when people are grown up and they're seeing things in action and we don't have adequate consequences for misbehavior, they learn that that's, not misbehavior that's just behavior that's acceptable behavior and so that's the importance as you said of getting to that concept of actually following through with what we're just psychologically and philosophically discussing putting it into practice is a very very important part uh, because that actually would confirm that uh, we're not just saying we are actually practicing what we preach. We do a very, 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 very bad job, and this is everyone across the board. I am not say I am I am not absolving anyone of their failures because everyone fails on this one. Um, when it comes to equal treatment of people, and I'm talking about every single type of equal treatment that you can think of where we believe that everyone is, an, is entitled to equal this, that, or the other. Uh, what, when, and I'm largely talking not about, not, not about, it's not, this isn't just racial justice or feminism or anything like that. This is egalitarianism, the concept. And people don't use egalitarianism. Why don't they use that phrase? Because that's the phrase. When you talk about intersectional uh, equality and just, social justice, the idea is egalitarianism, but people don't use that because it's too academic a term and it's, and it acknowledges that more than just your special interest group exists. So we do a really bad job because we, we don't advocate for everyone. We advocate for one group at a time. And this a la carte approach where we try to add the parts creates even further inequality. 
uh, but we're not very good at recognizing that. So I don't know how I diverged into this discourse, but the, 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 end, the end result of it is we have to model the proper behavior and we have to have follow through because if we don't follow through, then it's just rather meaningless psychobabble. And if we just, if, and, and from a jibber jabber standpoint, uh, that, that's rather, that's rather, you know, talk is cheap or, or is, is what one of those phrases says. And we can talk about it all day, but unless we actually follow through and, and do what we are saying, oh yeah, this would be nice. If we, well, if we don't do it, then all you're going to have is, yeah, well, this would be nice, but it's not how it is. And it's never going to be how it is. Well, why not change it? Why not try ourselves to change? And it's really difficult to do it because if you go out and you try to do something that's against a, a cultural norm, it's probably not going to be a pleasant experience. But the idea is do it enough, and you it, you 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 start to move the boundaries and the goalposts, so that if you're trying to get for, to a place of sportsmanship where you are saying that you have to treat officials with respect, and you're in a society here in this certain Texas football part of the country that doesn't believe that really because they called something against my team or if they didn't do it already, they're going to do it. Um, I'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt because they're going to screw something up. Uh, it's the Angel Hernandez effect, I suppose. Mm. Uh, he can do whatever he wants, but he's, he's going to screw something. Up. Oh, he made a nice call, but that's okay because he's going to screw something up. So I'm, I, you know, well, model the behavior that you want to see. And if you don't, then, then re reconsider exactly what you want to see or if you're really serious about that idea or not or whether it just it placates your it placates your moral compass simply because you can say oh yeah yeah that's fine but then in practice you don't believe that at all and you do something that's completely contrary and it's like well that's okay because i'm playing psych mind games that make it justifiable for whatever reason uh, be consistent with what you think versus what you do. That that's probably it. Be true to that and the communication aspect. Just be consistent in 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 that framework and the in in that messaging and may and put into practice what we think and what we talk about. Uh, because if you actually put into practice and follow through and it, with that ad, actual behavioral activation, it becomes something that oh, it's not just academic or theoretical anymore. It's an actual what we want to see in this world. Now, it's funny that you mentioned academics because we also have this story that broke just shortly after the Texas story of the retired teacher in, in Kenya who was attacked and killed during a soccer game. Uh, why don't you give us the lowdown of what you reported with that? Uh, because this, I don't even know if, if my words can can give it justice based upon what happened here? Yeah, this is, this is pretty sad. I mean, the timing is uncanny with the Texas story because it was a day or two after that this one came through. Uh, and it, it, this, it, it's in Kenya, and, the, and it's uh, Malimu John Changa is the official's name, retired teacher, and it's in Kissy County. Uh, and And... You know, the, the, the issue is, you know, the reason that we don't, there was, there's really no media coverage on this story, right. first of all. Yeah. There are two reasons. Number one, Africa. Number two, no video. Uh, and 
combine the two and there's there's no appetite over here to listen to any of that uh but yeah if but then again had this story occurred in the in 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 even england i guarantee we would have heard about it uh but i i i found this one nonetheless because i have a constant look just for certain buzzwords amongst which are referee and umpire Mm. So this came across on my referee uh, news updates um, because Twitter will tell you things even if they're not in the news. Right. But sometimes it tells you things that are not in the news a little too well. And uh, then you report it for being fake and they're like, ah, yeah, fake news doesn't violate our terms of service. Sorry. And it's like, what? Uh, anyway. And there's a reason we all drink. So continue. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, they're just in cahoots with uh, with with Sam Adams, and uh, well, I don't, I don't know, I, I I don't know the industry well enough to know the brands, but uh, <laughs> you could basically say anything and call it a brand name at this point. So you're 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 good by us. <laughs> okay. Well, in any case, this this story at uh, this story out of out of uh, Kenya is is pretty 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 gruesome. Uh, this is a, this is a retired teacher. He's 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 doing a. I, I, they said it was a a. Um, they didn't really specify the level of the game, but one of the teams was named um, Ichuni Youth. So I assume that it was on the younger side. Uh, and by younger, I mean under eighteen, most likely. And there was variance there, I suppose. But nonetheless, he was officiating. There was a. There was an apparent goal that was called back. And, you know, the language, I just want to get into the discourse on language first, just for a sidebar second. When we say that there was a goal that was called back, it implies that he didn't make a call till after the goal had been scored. And that means like, hey, we're, we're fit to be upset with this referee because they changed their mind. Mm. And so we say there was a goal that's called back. So I'm trying to rephrase that and to say, no, no, no. There was an infraction that was signaled, and after the play was dead, they kicked the ball into the net. I see. So they made it look like there was a goal that scored, but there wasn't. Right. In any case, in any case, there was a call. A team wanted a goal. They didn't get the goal because there was a penalty. They disagreed with that, and then at halftime, they decided to uh, gang up on him and and. Oh yeah, it's it's innocent gang up on an official because we did. I'm just disagreeing with the call. I'm allowed to disagree with your call, right? And the next thing you know, he's murdered. So that the problem is, I always say. By the way, as an official, um, I'll talk to you one on one, but I'm not going to do it with. I'm not going to two on one, three on one. Uh uh. Yeah. If it's not one on one, I'm not having this conversation. But in any case, so. yeah, it was a call. A call got made. They didn't like the call, and they, they decided that uh, that we're going to attack this person, and they ultimately killed him because they didn't like a call. And I, I that's who knew that officiating was a job that would have a, a mortality risk that comes up on. We, we hear about police. We hear about construction. We hear about these other industries that it's like mining and it's like, okay, these are dangerous jobs. Officiating's becoming part of that conversation and you would not expect that. Well, it goes back to that whole idea of, you know, we talk, we talk about the, the trivial nature of sport as we, as I did earlier in the, in the episode with, you know, with context, obviously. And you would think that 
officiating said sport would not carry that kind of responsibility or possible outcome. And yet here we are. I mean, this story went from one to what the heck just happened real quick. Um, there, and I think that that, I mean, you talk about kind of pulling the show breaks a little bit here. As we're looking at this, we, we're even looking at it like, what do we say? I mean, it, it, it's, it's, you know, the, the, the story in Texas is, is a little easier to kind of break down and dissect than this because with this, there's just nothing that you can, that you can say here other than just what are we doing? I understand that it's a different continent. You know, and, I, and as you said, you're, you're talking about something with, with no video on the other side of the world, you know, all of those different things. I, and I, I'm not going to, I'm only, you know, I'm not going to downplay that at all. You just, you're just, what else can you say other than really people? This is what we're doing? I mean, uh, short of us flying to Africa right now, which is not really in the cards, to, you know, to, to, to try and make a change unless, I don't know, Sean, you want to go to Africa with me? Sure. All right, we're going to Africa. Screw it. Episode's over. All right. Yeah, but, but you know, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's, it's, what, what else can you say other than, huh? What's I'm going cur- on? I'm curious. What was, the, what was the, the result of all this? I mean, what was the consequence for, for those kids? <laughs> I don't even think that was reported. Was it, Gil? Well, I don't know what happened to the kids. The, uh, the police arrested uh, one of the fans that was believed to be responsible. Okay. And they were still investigating. Uh, so at least one person has been held accountable. Right. And, and not yet. Not yet, because they haven't tried it. But, right. But, uh, at least the, uh, the, in, the inference is that, they're, that, 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 that one person is going to be held accountable. It, it just, I think... Again, we have to, we, you put it in context and you realize that there are a lot of different factors here, but the, the gravitas of looking at this just, just leaves you speechless. And from a certain point of view, almost sums up the, the idea of how did we get here? What the heck is going on? This, the, the, you, don't, you don't even have to dissect it any more than that than just giving them those stern words and that stern look to a certain degree and say, really, people? I mean, we can, we can, right. we can go back and we can replay the, the transcript of everything that we just talked about prior to, to this story. And we, could, you know, and, and we could debate that till the cows come home, you know, and uh, uh, chapter and verse, you know, however we wanted to. But this one is like, whoa. And, and, and to kind of bring it full circle, we've also got in the news the story of the football coach from, uh, I believe it was, he's from Georgia. Yeah, the Georgia youth football coach. It happened in Florida who hit his nine-year-old player. You know, and, and ultimately the story is that the, the guy was charged with child abuse. And it's kind of the same thing where you're like, okay, yeah, now it's on our soil. Yeah, now we have more video. We can, we can address it more. But it's like, what are we doing? What, what on, mm-hmm. you know, talk, you, you want to go back to beyond the pale. 
Okay, this is 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 this not beyond the pale of of what's happening here? You know, so I mean, Gil, is it is it as simple in all of these stories, or could it be as simple before even dissecting it, if we wanted to, to say, oh my God, people, why? What, 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 how did the, you know, can, can we take a step back here? I mean, I, I mean I, you, you mentioned the culture in Texas is such that where it could be that the, the, the way that they view officials is, is different. And perhaps that's the starting point of where we, where we then look to, to make change. But I mean, it, 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 does it get any more, does it, if we had to, does it have to get more complicated than that? Does it have to go beyond of saying, like, you know, just kind of looking at people in the mirror and go, what is going on? There's, there, well, there, again, we, we have a problem in our disconnect between theoretical discussion and what happens in practice. Right. And part of the problem is that we've, we have a reliance on our technicalities and our laws and our procedures, which is very important to have in our technical rules. But at the same time, it frustrates us and it depersonalizes us. So there's some of the rules, I'll give an example like laws, but some of the rules for, for instance, a sport might make sense on paper, but then you come in practice and you see something and it's like, you know, technically it's against the rules for X, Y, Z, and it depersonalizes the person. For instance, if someone's wearing something, an undershirt, whatever, and it's like, you know, the, the example that we always give, not even the undershirt, just the uniform, the example that we always give when we have our meetings is, you know, the, the, the book says that a memorial patch for a teammate has to have these specific dimensions and only can be placed in these specific areas. Well, if they have a memorial patch here, I'm not going to do any. It's not allowed by the book. I'm not going to go ahead and say, well, you're not allowed to do that. So part of the problem is that, you know, look, they're, they're doing it in good faith. They are wearing the memorial patch for their fallen player in good faith. It's a good gesture that they're doing. They're trying to pay tribute and do all of the healing things. And the book says you can't do it in the way that they want to do it. And what, what are they hurting people? What are they, I mean, similar, like a uniform, uh, the home team must wear white, but okay. The, the home team must wear white, but the school doesn't have money and their Jersey is actually more of a yellowy color. And I'm not going to do anything. Right. Uh, or, or for, for one of the cancer awareness months, they have, a, they, they have a Jersey that's a certain color. That's not white because they're trying to, to do the cancer awareness thing. I'm not doing, the book says no. So the problem is, first of all, we have books with no, which, which absolutely necessarily need to be rigid and strict and all of this and have procedures and rules and all of that. But at the same time, there's no nuance. That's a consequence of that. And so because there's no nuance yet, Yet there should be these, well, that's why we have human officials and human judges, because we need to make judgment calls and interpretations based on the best interests of everything. We have the training, we have all of that to figure out what the intent and the spirit of the rule, so to speak, is, spirit of the law. And that's why we have referees and judges and umpires to actually get to that nuance. 
and figure it out from that level. But then you're always going to have someone that disagrees with our interpretation of the nuance or our judgment. And so there's a difference between the judgment that is the black and white judgment, safer out was the ball there first, versus, versus the nuance judgment for a balk about a flinch or a turn, which is not as black and white. I mean, there's a balk rule that's pretty black and white. Tim Lincecum did a great job demonstrating this years ago when during the windup he dropped the ball right. and fell off the mound. That's a fantastic illustration of a black and white balk. And we've all been there. <laughs> you know? But at the same time, there's some of these balks that are the Mike Fetters balk that, you know, Mike Fetters, he's breathing, he's breathing, he turns his head because that's his, that's his thing. And, oh, well, if, if that's another pitcher does that and gets called for a balk a, because it's just a slightly over-exaggerated, well, that's the nuance. Right. And that's what the umpire is there and the referee and the judge is there to do. Then the problem is that we get to our, you know, we, we talk about, again, what I'm talking about is largely this is all stuff that's happening on the field and on the court. But now let's talk about the theoretical stuff, which, are hap- which is what is largely happening in the court of law, not the basketball court. And in the court of law, very technical, very procedural based. And you get these lawsuits that, it, and this is more, not, not necessarily criminal, but more civil. Right. And criminal, there's a problem too with sentencing guidelines and, 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 our, and, 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 and how we can see our judges using their discretion to impose sentences, which turn out to be on a macro analysis, not exactly equal treatment under the law, but that's another story. The point is that when we go to the civil side of things and their lawsuits, it goes into... We, we see some of these lawsuits that may have merit that get tossed out because of a technicality of filing. It got filed wrong. Or we see something that doesn't have merit in advance because the lawyers just lawyered better, uh, not because of the merits of the suit or anything like that. I mean, uh, the, 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 in the, the, um, the, what was it? It was the Urbegafell v. Hodges decision from 2015, um, which was the same-sex marriage decision from the Supreme Court. That was appealed all the way up. The Supreme Court said, you know, this, and when the Supreme Court, they said, yeah, U.S., we are going to, you are, all states are required to license and recognize same-sex marriage. Wasn't exactly based on the idea of equality, as odd as that sounds. You would think it's an equal rights, equal treatments. The due process clause and the equal protection clause of the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution. But there was technicality in the language that they arbitrated all the way to the Supreme Court. And most recently you had, I think it was Justice Alito just in 2020 said, we might need to revisit that decision. Mm. Why do you need to revisit that decision? Because there's a technicality that might need to be addressed. And so you can actually, this is the hybrid of the version of now your theoretical discussions affecting everyone. So now instead of theory, it becomes practice because this Obregofeld decision affects everyone. And I mean, not everyone. It affects the people that it affects. And which is another philosophical thing. It's like, why, why do we care about people who aren't even affecting us? It doesn't affect me. Why do I care about this other decision that affects other people? Uh, but that's a psych, that's a, that's a, that's a philosophical discussion for another day. But the point is technicality. 
Why, why, you know, the, the problem is the technicalities confuse people. And so when I say people are turned off to the academia and they don't want to have the nuanced discussion, part of the reason they don't want to have the nuanced discussion is that we tend to, just like the pendulum thing again, we tend to go overboard. And so we start, instead of going to the center where it's, where it's the fairest thing for everyone to be able to absorb and discuss and, and listen to and all of these other things, Instead of going there, we have, oh, actually, line 15, uh, word number five. They put the comma after. Have you ever listened to a discussion, like a, like a court legal discussion or even a pen, pen and Teller BS discussion on the Second Amendment? And the way, the way that the Second Amendment is written, and they are saying, well, they put a comma here as opposed to putting it here. And because they put the comma here, it should be interpreted this way. But if they had put the comma here, it would be interpreted this way. That's why people don't like the philosophical discussions. It's so, the minutia is so incredibly esoteric and annoying that we root out the idea of common sense because we are so technical in our language and in our approach that if I say the one wrong thing, if I don't, if I'm talking about the Duran case from Texas and I don't use the word allegedly before I say that he allegedly committed a crime, I am now legally liable for some sort of a defamation. That's the problem that we have. That's what discourages people from advancing themselves is there's so many hidden rules, which some of the hidden rules are indeed hidden and some of the rules are hidden under pages and pages and pages and pages of law that really are written for someone, only someone with a possibly 16th grade reading comprehension level to understand. And most people do not complete the 16th grade. Sean, just for your, uh, your knowledge, a comma is uh, punctuation. It kind of looks like a, like a little curve thing. Oh, like a breath mark in it's music? Like, exactly, exactly. Oh, that's what that is. It goes at the bottom instead of the top. Oh, there's this, there's thank this, you. There's this joke about the, the quarter rest in music. Uh, it's, it's, it, there, there, there's a stick figure that's standing next to another stick figure, and he says, freeze, you're under arrest. Rest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who who decided that the quarter rest is going to be you know what we're going to do a weird z and it's going to be touched with a c and I'll just draw the number two and the letter c underneath it it's oh that's easy. what you do okay yeah. i'm doing like z's and c's and so uh, so here's the thing when i compose i have decided i don't do quarter rest so <laughs> because they're too hard to draw so i will write my music to either hold a note there or if not I, uh, I, I go the extra mile, so to speak, <laughs> because it's much easier to draw the half or the whole rest because it's just a little hat, essentially. Mm -hmm. It's much easier to draw that than to draw the quarter rest. So I will write my music look, based on the fact that it's too complicated to draw a quarter rest. Look, I've got my, I've got my staff paper, right? I've got my dry erase marker right here, <laughs> okay? You draw, it's, it's really easy. You start on the fourth space, you draw the number two, Right, you end it on the on the, the weirdest space. looking two I've ever seen. And then you draw the letter C, and there's your there's your quarter rest. What you have just created, Sean, it looks very I don't know. I think I've seen that in. It looks like that bracket on the keyboard when you press shift on the open bracket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
not we have not only have we completely nerded out into music now jack you just lost your entire show that's okay the, I, I think the best part is that we now have the title for the episode which is i don't do quarter rests uh, that's okay. perfect <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first folks because Gil doesn't do quarter rests, we have a problem in society. Okay, I want that. I want that on the record. For I'm for, trying to help. I'm trying to help here. You were never here to hurt. You were only here to heal. Oh man! You know, you know this strand of my hair kind of looks like a quarter. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Let's just screenshot that and put it in every music theory textbook, and oh, people will get it. And that's that's going to be the new OSIP logo too. Yeah. It's just going to just be Gil's face with that pointed, right? <laughs> well, we've gone, we've gone in a direction. Um, Gil, I can't thank you enough because I know that, you know, we're all in a weird place right now with the holidays, with, with, with COVID, and, and these, the, you know, the, these topics are not easily uh, dissected because of all the things that you talked about here. I mean, you would think that it's as easy as saying, hey, people, listen, don't hit other people, okay? Uh, for the love of God, don't attack officials physically, okay? It's not, it's, it's not cool. Don't, don't hit kids, okay? That's not cool either. But unfortunately, we have to have these discussions to figure out why, why do people think that this is okay, and, and that's, I, that's, that's the sad thing. But at the same time, if there is a silver lining, it's that we're able to have these discussions. We're able to point to the, the potential solutions. And, and hopefully we can get people to come to the conclusion that we, we just, we shouldn't be physically attacking people unless they're coming at us with a knife. Then it's different, Okay or if they're trying to get us to draw a quarter rest that we don't like, we, we just shouldn't be doing it. So, uh, Gil, thank you, uh, for, 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 for all that you've done today and, um, and many continued, uh, success stories with, with close call sports, with your, your life out there in California with all that you're doing. And I pray that it is only a matter of time before, uh, we can fly out to California and have the greatest uh, umpire ejection fantasy league party in the history of the UEFL. So thank you, Gil. Thank you. Sean, thank you as always for, um, you know, drawing the quarter rest and making me realize that the number two is involved because I was using the Z's. Um, and uh, everybody out there, thank you for listening as always. OSIPfoundation.org. Uh, podcast at osipfoundation.org, facebook.com slash osipfoundation, Twitter and Instagram at osipfoundation, hashtag how you play the game, and also closecallsports.com. Make sure you check that out. The site is a goldmine for information uh, of how to look at not only the world of – there's, there's the, he's got the logo and everything. I love it. It's the, oh, the, yeah. everything, is, everything is for sale too, so <laughs> make sure you buy it uh, because when Gil gets your money – uh, an angel gets its wings. Um, and, and maybe Gil can get a haircut with those, with, with that money, but that's, that's another, that's another podcast. Um, well, maybe, maybe, and maybe, and maybe angel will also get a payout from baseball. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> I see what you did there. I see. All right. Um, everyone, thank you again. Um, I hope everyone has a fantastic new year 
and uh, we'll talk to you in just a couple short weeks. So until then, everybody, thank you and treat each other with respect. How You Play the Game is a production of the OSIP Foundation, Incorporated. The producer engineer of this episode is Sean Ryan. Music by SoundSpring Studio. The executive producer of How You Play the Game is Jack Furlong. For more information, visit osipfoundation.org.